Well, today we are discussing uh, the most recent series that we have, uh, and the title of it of the most recent sermon is "The Time for Different Is Now" with Reverend Dr. Marcus Allen. Welcome. Thank you to the MTZ Overflow Podcast. Um, as the host, I'm privy to some notes, so we're going to dive in a little bit deeper into what Pastor was talking about on Sunday. Uh, so let's kind of start with a little bit of historical context. So, Pastor, what's going on in Esther uh, at this time, or even in the in the area at this time? Yeah. So, you know, the sermon series is there to do to do different, okay. and um, and I saw I selected various um, scriptures three three scriptures um, to be able to preach to that um, based off the times in which we're living in. Um, everything that we see around us is different, right? Uh, COVID has shaken things up and made us do stuff in different formats, different ways. And so I was trying to challenge our people not to be, you know, um, always in the same comfortable place, but to do things different. Okay. And so um, Esther was, it was a very good story narrative mm-hmm. for me because it's very relatable. Um, but the, the, back, the historical context is um, the children of Israel, um, they have, um, they've been in captivity. Um, Babylon, at first Babylon comes and Babylon steals them uh, because of their disobedience, God allows this to happen. Uh, and now they're in captivity, but then Assyria, um, they um, conquer Babylon, and now they take over all of these providences and all of these kingdoms, and now uh, Cyrus the Great, um, they're in charge. Okay. And so now, and so this that's the historical, pretty much backdrop of what's going on here. Uh, in chapter one of Esther, uh, you would see that the the former queen before Esther she she refuses to you know go talk to the king and the king gets mad he gets upset and because he's upset that she wouldn't come and she was like yo you just I'm put it in my own turn okay. you drunk you acting a fool because they were throwing a big party mm. you drunk you acting a fool I'm not coming to be shown off as a, a no, a piece like a, yeah. a trophy or anything right. so she says I'm not coming King get upset and all the people was like yo King you can't let her do this because if she do this all the women will act the fool in our homes because you didn't check this can I talk like this you can talk like that <laughs> and so and as so, they say make it plain make, I'm trying to make it plain say so, King if you don't check your woman now all the other women will rise up and treat us like this so King make a decree that you can't come to the king unless the king sends for you, okay. and and uh, and if the king sends for you, you better come. And so that's what happens. Um, kick the queen out of the house, and then they go looking for another queen. And Esther is one that is selected to be the queen uh, of this nation. Wow. So then, uh, so Esther becomes the new queen. Do you think there was like a, a changing of the guard between? Queen Vashti and Esther, or do you think do you think they even met each other? I'm pretty. I don't think they met. Each, I'm based off of my imagination. I don't mm-hmm. even think they met each other because Vashti, she was just like, forget this. I'm out of here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, she it, it it was you know it was too much. You know she had endured so much. You know from that instance, that incident. 
private so she just was like yo I'm, I'm done I don't think they probably talked to exchange mm-hmm. numbers letters or anything like that. like that what you think I you know I was there was part of me that thought that maybe they did mm-hmm. you know like she was just kind of like you broke up and then it's like hey hey girl watch out for him he does this this and this girl just right. I just want to let you know woman to woman right what you're about to get into because even kind of as we we'll get to it but you have Esther who's like she's challenged in her thinking of what her purpose is she's trying to protect right. her own life and and also trying to save her people uh but you've got um the previous queen who's very much like no like i know my worth i'm not doing that right. and so like the process that it takes esther to get there over these seven verses um uh, just it kind of just speaks to that of like maybe in this position you you start to recognize kind of who you are and and what your purpose is right that's what I say. That's why I suggested that this text is so relatable, mm-hmm. um, especially to our people uh, and to you know people in general that that feel as if they've um, they're not good enough. Backstop show, yo. Hey, I know my worth. I know who I am. And right now, you're not adding to it, but you're <laughs> you, you're causing more <laughs> issues than you're helping me. So I'm not coming to holler at you at all. So right. I, it, I think it was. I, I like that part of the story. Yeah, that's a really good part. So then, so let's talk about. So we have the larger <coughs> sermon series, and then talking. So there to do different, and the time for different is now. Right. So the emphasis on kind of that now and today and the present, like what um kind of as you were thinking about it and tying it into the current space like what why does change have to happen today why can't it happen tomorrow why can't i plan for the new diet tomorrow to get my oil changed tomorrow like yeah so if you if you you look at uh the introduction of the sermon you know i state that tomorrow becomes a problem when it becomes today okay (laughs) <laughs> you know, t- tomorrow becomes the problem, <clears throat> or it becomes dangerous, uh, because we, you know, I'm gonna start my diet tomorrow, mm-hmm. but I have the heart attack today. Um, I'm gonna stop drinking and driving tomorrow, but I get the DUI today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that that's what happens with our thinking that we try to put things off uh, for tomorrow. And even though tomorrow is promising, even though tomorrow is a new day, even though tomorrow is another chance, yeah. um, we never know if we'll see tomorrow. So if we're going to do anything impactful, why not do it today? Right? And, and so that's what the, um, the time for different is now. That's where it came from. Mm-hmm. And looking at Esther, if she didn't make the choice to uh, be different in the moment, that a whole group of people would have died. But because she chose to be different in that moment, she didn't wait. It was in the noun that she made that decision. So after interpreting and reading the text, that's where I came up with the title that the time for different is right now. Yeah, and you, how many times did you read the text in preparation oh, yeah. for this? Yeah, so, so for me, I, I think I told you yesterday, try to read at least 18 times. Mm. Uh, but, but with this story, it was so unique. Uh, is Esther 4, but you'll never understand the full context of um, this narrative unless you go back and read Esther 1 mm. and then read through the full story through Esther 7 and 8. <laughs> um, so to really understand it, uh, what's going on, what's happening, 
um, how things played out. You really got to read the whole book. Um, with, and um, in the seminary, we call that reading in front of and behind the text. Okay. Um, and so that's what that's that's what what was was my responsibility to be able to articulate it well and people mm -hmm. get a full understanding of what I was trying to say. I just couldn't dive into Esther four and tell them what's going on in the story if I don't know the backdrop and being able to explain that. Right, being able to explain it because I think you're right with with Esther in particular. Just diving right in, people aren't as always familiar. It's not a it's not a common text that people right. typically quote. Like, you know, like if, if I perish, I perish. You know that some people do, some people don't right. don't know like the full context of that. So with Esther, you're right. I think you do have to read the whole story, the whole narrative to understand. I think it's similar with Ruth. Um, mm -hmm. You can't just like dive in like you would a Matthew or a John or a Romans. You have to kind of get get the whole story right. in order to pull pull pieces out of it. Because it's it's a narrative, right? Right. It's it's a story. It's literature. Um, it's it's full of drama. Uh, it seemed like a. a Show, you know what my grandma said, I gotta watch my show. <laughs> uh, days of our lives, you know what I'm saying? Something like that. It's some, it, it seems like that because it's so much drama and twist that's mm -hmm. going on, but it's all pointing to the coming of Christ. Yeah. It, 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 all of it, you know, so it, it, it's, it's very unique. I, I love the Old Testament narrative. Oh, okay. Old Testament. That, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people really dive deep into that because, I mean, it's the foundation of Right. Because without that, well, there's no New Testament, mm -hmm. um, and obviously the setting up to, as you said, the coming of Christ. Right. Uh, as I was looking through your notes, you elaborate on the story about a young man who went to study and had itching powder on his right. hands, and at the end, the young man throws the itching powder into the fire, and the wise man says to him, you've graduated, you've learned, you don't have to know everything to do something. And I think that's a place where we tend to get stuck, right. is that we want to know everything mm -hmm. before we make moves. Right. You know, that could be like going to the doctor, like to get your heart checked. It's like, well, I want to check this first, that first. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll change my diet. I'll eat less Pop Cheetos <laughs> and hope that works, right? Like, we, we, we get stuck in this place where, where we don't know, and it's... I don't know if it's a sense of fear or if it's a sense of wishing we had done different. Mm -hmm. So then we're not in the present where we have to make such a such a rash decision. Right. right. And as it pertains to Esther, I think that's where she that's where I'm thinking that she is, is like she now she knows what she has to do. And she's scared. Right. Yeah, so um that story, you know, um I thought it was very impactful for the sermon to mm -hmm. set up the sermon. Uh, because it, it just oftentimes, like you said, we think we have to have it right before we start. Uh, people say all the time, um, I'm not coming to church until I get my life together. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. that, You'll never get your life together without having God in your life. Yes. Um, and, and so why not start and work on getting your life together with God instead of trying to do it without God? Yeah. Um, and, and even with any anything like if people want someone want to be a business person or start with the stock stock market or or start buying homes or being a real estate agent or something, um, you may not know everything there is to know about that particular field, but you can start. Mm -hmm. Right? You don't have to you know to be different. You, you you just don't have to know everything about 
what you're trying to do before you start it. But if you just start out, you'll learn as you go. Uh, and you'll get a lot of OJT, as I would say, <laughs> on the job training uh, so that it will help you um, to be uh, whatever you're trying to be successful at. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think that story was impactful for the sermon to hopefully it spoke to someone and let them know, yo, you, you, you don't have to have um, your Ph.D., uh, you don't have to have uh, your licenses in whatever you, what you're trying to do. You don't have to know everything before starting. Just do something. Just, yeah. And sometimes that's the hardest part for us <laughs> to just do something because we think we need to know from A to Z mm -hmm. when we really just need to know how to get from A to B. Right. Yeah. That that speaks so much because uh, I was at I was at conference a year ago and and it was like there's so many things you've got your to do list of all these things that you want to accomplish or need to do. And it all starts with one small step. But as they said, it's just move the pen. Like, right. just do mm -hmm. something to just get it going. Because uh, once you can do that, once you move the pen, oh, then I can move the paper. Right. I can move the box. I, yeah, right. right. It just, it, like that, it's just that first step. And speaking of steps and being pushed, that's the first point. Mm -hmm. Is the Lord will provide someone to push you with the promises of God. And so this is, so kind of like as a... For this recap, we talked about the queen leaving, and then Mordecai reminds Esther of her of her purpose and her calling. Right. And she's he Mordecai's so close, and I, I believe like we we've talked about you've preached on how those people that are around us kind of a you you mentioned something about uh, speak get those people that speak. Bible back to you right. <laughs> and truth. having those people in your life can you elaborate more on what what you mean when you say that and and how those people can can show up in the different right. aspects so, so let's look let's look at Mordecai first um, okay um, he, he's he's the uncle of Esther um, the Bible really does not um, I don't I don't see what it said talks about her parents mm -hmm. um, but maybe they were caught up in in the uh, the capture of of our uh, of the Israelite people, mm -hmm. um, so she she he is her uncle. He's there for her. He's providing for her. He's motivating her. He put her in that position. He tells us, "Hey, when you get in that kingdom, don't tell them you're a Jew." All <laughs> 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 right. He tells her. He tells her all these things, <clears throat> uh, and he he pretty much grooms her, okay. and and the whole time while she's going through this training. Um, to be a queen uh, or to be selected to be the queen, Mordecai is there. He can't go inside the palace, but okay. he can sit at the gate. Mm -hmm. So he's intentional about being at the gate just to see what's going on. Uh, and he's at the gate, and while he's at the gate um, just to try to discover what's going on uh, with his niece, um, he hears of uh, a scheme or a plan um, for um, these, these two men were trying to kill the king, assassinate the king. So Mordecai informs the king's cabinet, security, whatever. Uh, hey, these men, I heard them at the gate. And, and so after that, the king, you know, off with their head, you know, right, back in those right. days. You, you want to kill me, I'm going to kill you first. And so the king kills these two men, and then he puts Haman over their position. And Haman thinks he's the man now, right? right? He stepped up, he's the man. And so what he does, he, he walks to the gate, and when he gets there, Mordecai never honors him. The Bible never tells us why. 
Um, but but he never honors him as being this top man. So he expected Mordecai to stand up when he greeted him or something. Mordecai was like, no, he wouldn't do it. So what happened is now now Haman understands that Mordecai is a Jew, and so he goes to the king and makes a decree to kill, annihilate, and destroy every Jew, man, woman, boy, girl. And the king signs this decree, and Mordecai hears of it. <clears throat> so, <laughs> so, so Mordecai hears of it, and that's when he goes to Esther okay. and say, "Hey, you need to go to the king and let him know he cannot kill all of us." And, and then, and then Esther said, "Hey, I can't do that because by law, if I go, he's going to kill me mm -hmm. because I can't go to him based on what Vasta did." Yeah. So they made a decree by law: if you go to the king without being invited. He only has one law, and that's to kill you on sight unless he reaches out the golden scepter to you. And so, so Mordecai said, hey, well, if you don't go, God has somebody else. Yeah. Right? God has someone else who, who is able to do what he's called to do. And Mordecai is saying he's, he's remembering the promises of God that he gave to Abraham. And he pretty much pushed her with the promises in which God had gave Abraham, which is the father of faith. That God told him that from your seed, the seed, the sand of the sea cannot be numbered, numbered as so are the people that are going to be a part of your family. Mm -hmm. The stars in the sky cannot be numbered. Therefore, that's how many people um, that will be a part of your family. And so Mordecai understand these promises in which God has given unto the Jews and so he he reminds her you know God is not going to allow us to die mm. he's going to have somebody else if you don't do it somebody else is going to take your place <laughs> so that's the push with the promise that I was trying to get to and I, and I think uh, we all need those type of friends in our lives yeah you know ones that are fight for you and with you Right. Ones that know how to get a party started. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. But you also need friends that can pray for you and that will speak scripture back into you mm -hmm. and remind you of the promises of God and the word of God to keep you together, especially in moments like this. Right. Okay, so I'm going to, so I got a question. So if we're, as we're reading the text, Mordecai first says, Esther, don't tell them you're a Jew. Mm -hmm. Now, at this part in, in the text, he's like, you need to stand up for us right. and expose yourself. At any point, I, I would think Esther feels conflicted. It's like, right. you told me A, and now you're telling me B. Like, what's up, Unc? Like, right. what, yeah. what, what do you want me to do? So that's, that's I, I skipped that part. <laughs> he, he said, don't forget you are a Jew. <laughs> and the decree applies to you also. Not and if you're in the king's palace, you're not exempt from being a Jew. You're mm -hmm. still a Jew. So like, don't for just because you win the palace, just because you're doing all of that, you're still a Jew. Right. And and and, and I think that speaks to us today, uh, for those who who have achieved high academic success or financial success. Uh, don't forget who you are. Yeah. Don't forget where you've come from because when there is a decree made on people that look <laughs> like you, Ooh. just because you're in a different social class or social economic uh, part of the ladder, social economic ladder, you're not exempt. You're still uh, who who you are. You you know right. you understand what I'm saying? And so that's that's what 
Mordecai was trying to tell her, yeah, when she first went in, don't tell him you're a Jew because you need to get in. Right. Just be who you are. Be whatever. You know, are they actually where you from? Tell them this is the providence you're from. You know, just like around the corner. Right. And then, and then when the decree is made, he says, yo, don't forget who you are. Because they're going to know that you are a Jew at yeah. some point. And if they figure that out, you fall under the same decree. Yeah, because to because uh, you need those people in your life who will keep you keep you humble, right? Right, who will remind you of not the people that pull you back, but mm -hmm. the people that hold you accountable to who you are, right? Because those, those are two two very different people. Because there are people who could be jealous of your success mm -hmm. and your ascension in whatever space you're going in, and then there's ones that are encouraging you. But hey, like don't don't step out of character. Right. Remember your foundation. Right. That's why. That's why I think Mordecai really pushed her yeah. to her destiny with these words. Yeah, because we don't we don't hear the the exchange right. of of any of that, but we do know that, as you stated, like Mordecai convinced her that if you fail, someone else is going to use somebody, you. Somebody, God's going to use somebody. Which is which is so such an interesting idea. Thinking about it's like we hear God's called you to your purpose. This is your purpose, but if you don't show up in the spaces someone else is going to sneak in. So then people could potentially lose their motivation to pursue their purpose because they're like, well, that was my opportunity. No. Well, let me, let me say this. Uh, purpose, God has given us all the purpose and it's only some things only we can fulfill. Mm. Uh, and, and, but if we fail to do what God has called us to do, God would bring somebody else in to get it done. But he also gives us another chance. Mm. Uh, you can see Thomas. Thomas is a disciple. He walked with Jesus. He's with Jesus all the way. Jesus dies on the cross, and as many of the disciples had done, they went into hiding. Um, they deserted Jesus, um, and they and they uh, they really didn't claim to be a part of who Jesus was. But Jesus is resurrected from the grave. He comes back, but the Bible says Thomas was not there. Mm. Jesus showed himself to all the disciples, but Thomas was not there. And then they told the disciples about this, about Jesus coming and showing himself. And, they, and Thomas said, hey, I'm not going to believe unless I can see the holes in his hand and put my hand in the side. Mm. But Jesus shows up again. The Bible says, and a week later, they were again in the upper room and Jesus shows up again. Never let anyone tell you that you miss your moment or your time. Because if God has purpose for you, he'll allow you to fulfill that purpose even if you missed it the first time or the second time or the third time. God still has this level of grace for us to allow us to fulfill what he's called us to do. And so uh, that, that's what, you know, with Esther, Mordecai said, hey, this is your chance. The time for different is when? Now, now. <laughs> it's your time to be different. You have to be different. You have to do different right now. And if you don't do different right now, a lot of people' uh, lives will depend on. But if you don't, God has somebody else somewhere that'll step up and save His people because of His promise that He's given us. Wow. Mm. Mm. That that's a whole sermon. Oh yeah. But we got more points. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, if we're Shifting into the second point of when the time for different is now, good transi transition, um, make sure that you have a purposeful plan. Mm -hmm. So I think with 
with it, the plan was always for Esther to reveal herself and um, utilize the king's affection for her to save her people. Mm-hmm. And this is a space where uh, you you dive into more of knowing what your purpose is right. and what that plan is. So how let's can we talk a little bit more about what how people can find their purpose or where they can start to look at this. Right. So so I think definitely um, there are so many books that are out there now. Ten steps to find your purpose. Yeah. Five areas to know your reasoning for living. Because <laughs> people always want to know why am I here? Mm-hmm. Why am I here? And and so and and so uh, if, if I want to know my purpose, um, one, I consult God through prayer. Right. I, I'm, I'm consistent in prayer until God reveals to me what He wants me to do. Um, so not not only am I in prayer. Uh, but but I'm also I'm listening, I'm listening to other people, people like Mordecai, mm-hmm. um, that that's revealing to me my purpose um, unto God, um, my purpose in my life, because God will reveal sometimes what He wants you to do to others to confirm what He has already told you, mm. right. Uh, he, he he already told you what you want to do, but either you wasn't listening properly, or you heard something different, or you just ignored him totally. Yeah. And 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 when God comes and say, hey, I, uh, or he sends somebody else to say, hey, God told me to tell you to mm-hmm. go this or do this, and you be like, what? How he tell you? How you know that I'm supposed to do that? No, that's that weird spiritual stuff that happens so much that's confirmed often through sermons. Um, through people and also through scripture reading mm-hmm. and, and and so I think f- discovering your purpose uh, it, it, it happens through prayer and then just happening through through listening knowing who you can depend on knowing who you can talk to knowing who um, who, who can really speak life until mm-hmm. what you're trying to do so you, you try to listen to people and you be consistent with your prayer and your Bible study and your devotional life and God will reveal to you um, his purpose for your life yeah, yeah. I think those are <laughs> that's like the most direct, simple way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's lots of books in addition to the ones you mentioned. There's the Purpose Driven Life, it's a forty day kind of journey <laughs> right. <laughs> on on trying to figure it out. And I, and at the end of those books, it's always kind of what what was revealed to you. Right. Right. It's never. It's not. It's not going to be there on the last page of your purposes X. And people are learning how to do that work uh, to to get there, and they'll do it through consistent prayer right. with your devotional life and listening to those who are providing you the, the positive reinforcements of what you are what you're hearing. And this also teaches you to hear the voice of God, because right. God talks to us in all different kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. Like God usually only talks to me in one word, and it's the same word, it's just a different inflection right. every time. Right. And so that that's Him kind of reminding me and confirming for me the things that um the things that i need but if we're did you want to say something? yeah i, I oh, was i was saying like you were saying um how um we all hear god differently mm-hmm. you know some people i can't hear him. he ain't saying nothing to me is that the way god speaks to you yeah. <laughs> um, god speaks to me mentally mm-hmm. um, he may speak to someone else through scripture makes they speak to some others through dreams mm-hmm. or visions 
or may speak to others through other people, uh, how they listen and interpret what they say. So you, you must know what format is God speaking to you so you'll be able to know purpose for your life. Mm. And if you don't know purpose, you just live Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind mm -hmm. that you may be able to prove, you know what I'm saying, the good and perfect will of God for your life. <laughs> and so, and so, so just, that's it. You know, just change the way you're living. And, and, and if you're depending on God, I promise you, he will not leave you out there so that you try to discover life on your own. But he'll give you the tools and techniques that you need. Um, to make it in this world yeah and one of those tools is fasting yeah which esther speaks on um, mm -hmm. that's what she did she said i'm gonna fast for three days i need i need my people to fast for three days because i need that energy which uh i'll speak from my own experience that is not how i was taught about fasting fasting was always taught to me that it is for your own renewal and your own spiritual growth i was never taught to fast for someone else wow like that's the because that's the yeah i just never taught that so then as i'm reading within esther i'm i'm getting conflicted myself of like why would i fast for somebody else and i don't get anything out of it mm -hmm. that's part of being the fallen world i guess right. yeah so so that that's this is esther proclaiming her plan she just didn't no, Mordecai tells her, you need to go see the king. She just didn't say, okay, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> Off to the king I go. <laughs> she doesn't do that, right? Uh, she said, Yo, this, this is the plan. Let's fast together. Hmm. And she asked them to do something with her, but they all will not be standing with her physically in front of the king. Yeah. But spiritually, they will be standing with her. That almost made me shout. Uh, be, be, because, yeah. <laughs> because this fasting, we know, you know fasting is pulling away mm -hmm. or in order to be able to have a greater connection with God. Right. And, and if we're saying, I'm fasting to take this away from me, and, and I often say this, Fasting removes the clutter. Mm -hmm. um, fasting um, helps you to depend on God to meet the cravings. Okay. Because when you're fasting, especially food or something you like or something you want, um, you often go through hunger pains. Mm -hmm. Or if you're fasting social media, you're like, what is everyone doing? <laughs> and you're thinking about it. You, you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Right, yes. And so you have to depend depend on God to meet those cravings. So just think if Esther has all of these people, she said, you all fast, Mordecai, and all the Jews that are out there, and Susan, you all fast. Me and my maids, we're going to fast also. So everyone that's connected to Esther is fasting for this particular reason, one particular reason, and that is for her to have the strength just to go to the king. Like just to walk down the hall. Just to walk down the hall. To go to the king and receive this favor from the king. Uh, and it's from this, this moment, Esther, um, that we can only assume, we can only interpret 
um, that anytime fasting is done, that prayer is also incorporated. Mm. Yes. Um, because like I said, we're depending on God to meet the need, the cravings for something. Uh, and though the Bible does not say that they prayed and they fast, we can assume that fasting is often accompanied with praying. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and so they're, they're fasting with her, they're taking a vow, they're putting them, their bodies through this pain so that they can have this right to just stand before the king. And I believe that when she stood before the king, she was not there by herself spiritually. Maybe though she was, maybe even though she was there physically by herself, but because all of her people were fasting and we're assuming this, praying with her, she was able to stand in that strength that she know if I got all these people supporting me, I can't fail. Mm. You feel what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and so she set up, put a plan in place so that she can have the strength to stand before the king. And that strength that she relied on was her people because everybody were fasting and we're assuming praying with her. And so when we look at life, it's good to have a team of people that can fast, that can pray. A team of people like, uh, I'm going in for an interview, everybody's not going in with me, but if you all can fast and pray for me, I can take that power and anointing with me in that place and do what I need to do. I have a tremendous family. I love my family. Um, just last month, I preached at a church in Milwaukee, mm -hmm. and my entire family showed up like it was uh, me preaching my first sermon. <laughs> I was like, yo, this is not an initial sermon. I've been doing this for a while, but they showed up, and just them being in the place gave me the energy and the, and the power to preach even the more uh, because of their presence. And I can only imagine how Esther felt when she stood before the king, the strength and the courage that she had to go to the king because of the fasting and praying of her people. Yeah, that's a, that's a spiritual energy can move right. and fill whole places. Uh, and so kind of as you're, we we typically ask people to, to pray for us if we're going into an interview. Right. Pray for me. Pray mm -hmm. for me. Maybe we should look to shift this like fast and pray for me. There you go. So then we're, we're they are also giving up a little bit so that we can have more mm -hmm. um, do the spirit. That's good. Yeah, uh, so talking about like walking down this hallway with Esther, I wonder what was going through her mind. Wow. Right, like we we can assume from renderings and uh, depictions of how these kings wanted these elaborate castles and mm -hmm. how there are these long hallways. So I can imagine from wherever she, her room was to where the king was, could could have been, let's just say it's fifty yards. Right walking down this hallway mm -hmm. knowing that she could potentially die at the end i i wonder how many times did she stop right maybe turn around it's good sit down before she even got to that door because um, it's because i'm sure there was she was in her mind of okay i don't want to let my people down they're fasting and praying for me this is my purpose and i I could die, mm -hmm. and it still may not come to fruition, you know, because at times there are people in the Bible people, um, whose purpose is to do something, 
but they were just the first one. Right. They had to, some, someone else had to come along and, and add to that work. Um, so I, I wanted to, to ask if you had any thoughts on that or if that was something you even had thought about before. No, I love the way you think. <laughs> that is diving into the text and really mm-hmm. being in that space. And, and thinking about yo know, the journey to get to your purpose, mm. and understanding that your purpose may be the very thing that kills you. Yeah. That's very imaginative, creative thinking, CT. So I'm glad we do this every week. You gonna help me a lot with my sermons, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because just thinking, you know, you know the journey, uh, walking down that long hallway. I'm pretty sure the ceilings are high, the pillars everywhere the gold and yep. you know the crystal and marble and all the, the mm-hmm. great stones and everything and she's probably in a wonderful gown looking yep. pretty with a crown on her head and, and and she she has to tell the king hey this isn't right right this is my people and she got to expose herself as a jew um and and and, and her saying yo Yo, I'm going anyway. It's big. It's, it's, it's courage. And different requires that. Yes. It requires a strong level of courage um, to be able to get it done. And, uh, and, and at least try. At least try. At least try. At least try. So looking into your third point, and you talk the title, Finally, when you do different, you will notice the invisible providential hand of God and you lay out how in Esther we don't see the name God but you feel God throughout all of it and I think a lot of challenges where people are is that if God's hand is on it it's perfect and it's going to be good and I won't feel any pain, and I'm gonna be excited, happy, all of the positives. But we see God's hand moving and just come through this conversation. We hear the stress of the people. <laughs> like, like we, we might die, but yet God's hand is still moving. Uh, so thinking about what are, what are spaces where we, we can start to recognize God's hand moving even if it's not positive right yeah so that that well i know i was in looking through commentary um and you know that's something that i didn't have the eye for myself reading through the book of esther i never know i never saw that yo the name god is never mm-hmm. mentioned and 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 for god to be the author of the bible um to allow a book to be in the bible that never mentions his name. That's a bad dude. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. That's like you writing a book about me and you never say my name. Um, it is, you know, I feel insulted. Right, right. <laughs> um, but here, this story is so unique that even though we don't hear God's name, we can see God's hand. That mm. all alone. From Vastar saying, I'm not coming, to Esther saying, if I perish, let me perish, mm-hmm. um, we see God's hand. Um, um, Esther said, if I perish, let me perish. She goes to the king, and on that night, 
after she talks to the king, she tells the king, hey, I want to have a big fest. I want us that. And the king said, hey, you can get whatever you want in the whole kingdom, though. You my boo. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and Haman messed up there when, yeah. when, when he realized the love in which the king had for Esther. That was his boo. He loved her. Uh, I, uh, Chuck McDowell came up to me after service and he said, I like when you said his Jew boo. <laughs> because that, no, that was she was. You know? uh, she was a Jewish girl, but she was his boo. And now the king, he, even though um, she may have not uh, been of the right nationality, or she may have not uh, been um, the right um, ethnic group because he loved her, said, you can get whatever you want. And she said, I just want to throw a party. And, and then you know, she understood how he got when he got drunk. <laughs> and so the king she, was that friend that could throw a party. Yeah, the king could throw the party, you hear me? And so I believe, you know, my spiritual imagination allowed me to assume that she knew that he acts a fool when he gets drunk and at the party he drink and so hey let me get some words in him now I don't know <laughs> but uh but but so so on that night after that night the king cannot sleep and again now we see the hand of God again mm. the king cannot sleep and because the king cannot sleep he asked them to come and read the role uh, what what had happened in history in the kingdom I don't know why Tell them to read it. Maybe, you know. It's an interesting bedtime story. Calms them down. <laughs> let them go to sleep. And they read about when Mordecai saved the king's life. They read about how Mordecai told of the two men who were trying to assassinate the king. And the king asked the question, have we honored this man yet? And they say, no. They say, well, let's have him a party tomorrow. This is on the night after Esther visits the king, and now he honors who? A Jew. One, he had already written a decree to destroy and kill men, women, children. But now he's honoring this man because he saved his life. And Haman thought, so he set Haman up and said, Haman, what would you do if someone has saved your life? He said, I have a party for him. I put him on a horse. I ride him through the city. I put the nicest clothes on him. And Haman hates Mordecai, and the king said, we're going to do that for Mordecai, the hand of God, the invisible, providential hand of God at work. And we see this throughout this whole story, this whole narrative, and many of us, uh, we can see it in our own lives, that when we thought God was rejecting us from something, he was setting us up for something better. Um, I remember... Um, 2012 I got out the army mm -hmm. um, I was the interim pastor at a church and I just knew after I got out the army they were going to make me their pastor they said no you have to go through the full process like anybody else I had to quit I got out the army I didn't get a check there um, anymore it was over uh, I quit the interim position so I wasn't getting paid for that so once I got out the army May 2012 I had no income three kids and a wife and I'm a man um, that believes that I need to be providing for my family but I, I said yo I, I won't I, I'm trusting God because I, I know I heard God tell me it's time for me to get out the army mm -hmm. and uh, start pastoring his people and, 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 and the church denied me 
Mm. I was like, yo, I just like, yo, that rejection right there, that that thing hurt. Rejection hurts. <laughs> it hurt so bad, and uh, and, and I was praying, uh, like, Lord, was that your voice I heard? Uh, because no one would hire me. Um, I applied everywhere, um, Home Depot, Lowe's. No one would hire me, and I got all this military experience, got college degree and no one would hire me. And and, um, and then other churches, I'll put in for other churches and no callbacks. Um, but in September that same year, the church, they called me back to be their pastor. And after that, that's when I started getting calls for jobs in other churches. Huh. <laughs> and, and I just knew that was the providential, invisible, the invisible providential hand of God to put me in that position in that place as a first-time pastor, um, and, and, and God blessed me. He blessed me there because I trusted him in that moment somewhat, you know right, what I'm saying? Right, because right. I'm like, God, is... God, I thought you got me. I'm going right now. <laughs> <laughs> For real. But, but, but we see in those moments that those, those, those forms of rejection... Uh, or or those times when things happen, yo. Mm -hmm. My cousin, my cousin was murdered in Milwaukee in 2009, mm -hmm. and in in the same week he was murdered, I was supposed to go to the to the board in the army to get promoted, mm -hmm. and, and and Tara was eight months pregnant, at least about seven months pregnant. She she had about eight weeks before Kaya was to come, and because of the stress that I was enduring. Tara had the baby early, oh, wow. um, and when she had the baby, I was at work, and they, and that was at the board for a promotion. They asked me, "Hey, uh, I was like, yo, I gotta get to the hospital. I I don't have time to stay for the entire board, and if I miss the board, I don't get promoted." Mm -hmm. And they's like, "Well, what do you need to get promoted?" I said, "I need 150 points." They said, "All right, come on in." When they were supposed to ask me at least 28 to 30, sometimes 40 questions, they asked me four questions and I answered the questions got out the board got promoted Tara had Micaiah and Micaiah and after she went back for her two weeks doctors um, um, whatever they check up yeah there you go the checkup and they say it was good that the baby came early because it was an infection on the sack that the baby was in outside and it was making its way inside. But thank God that she came early. The invisible, providential hand of God. You you hear what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I hear you. <laughs> and that's and that and that's and that's what once we do different, once we jump in and do the work God called us to do, we will see that God's hand was pushing us all along the way. Wow. Wow, that's an amazing testimony. Well even as you're as you were sharing your story and thinking about kind of the text, looking at the time period of God's hand. So with the with the testimony you just shared, with the stress, right. that was, that was what, a week, two yeah. weeks, yeah. where you know when you were um, in between jobs, like mm -hmm. quitting the army and and finally getting the call. That's four months. Right. We don't see a timeline within this mm -hmm. text of when right. Mordecai saved the king mm -hmm. and then the king had his story read right we can presume like just kind of based off of 
how we would think, how I would think, I'll be honest, like, maybe this was like two months, where this could have been two years. So thinking about how God's hand, it can move quickly, right, or it could move very slowly. slowly. Right. And you, just, you just have to be able to trust it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, I think they say it all the time, you got to be able to trust God when you can't trace him. Ooh. When you don't know where to find him, when there's not, <laughs> when there, when there is no evidence of His presence, you still must be able to trust God. And sometimes that's difficult because you see everything else happening around you that's negative, that you missed um, that invisible, providential hand of God. Yeah, no, I really liked how we talked about this text and kind of just adding that end piece where you talk about the karate kid Mm -hmm. and how will smith is the father and you know he's gonna make sure Mm -hmm. his son is all right right and how god makes sure we are all right Right. and it's almost in a in a space that we couldn't have even imagined because we were being faithful stewards of the time of our talents of what he's called us to do and then we get abundance right and that's saving our lives, that's saving other people's lives, it's giving other people strength. Uh, and I think that that's kind of as you were, well, you had said it in the notes, like that's what a real father does. Mm-hmm. Real father puts his children in position so that they don't lose. Right. So when we've got, we're trusting God, we got God on our side, we're, and maybe we're in some of these spaces of doubt or confusion or like, what is my purpose? Remembering that we, we can't lose. All right. You look at the Karate Kid. Um, let me keep speaking in the mic. Please. Uh, we, we, look at, <laughs> we look at the Karate Kid and we see um, he just didn't win the championship. He just didn't want, you know, even though his daddy was the producer, his daddy just didn't let him show up and not, bam, you win. True. He had to go through some pain. Yeah. Matter of fact, when he won, he was on one leg. Hmm. And life, you know, we, we still have to go through stuff. Um, and that's the you know, that's the issue um, that we often challenge by that if God is so sovereign. Why must we still suffer? Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying. Uh, that you no, know, and and God, yo, and I say, I tell God all the time, I don't have to go through this to learn that you're God. That's what I'm saying. Right? I, I I know you're God. Please stop. No, yeah, but time out. Time but, out. But but, uh, but 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 God knows us, and, and He knows. That if he send us somewhere and he tells us what he wants us to do and what we he wants us to become, if he tells us what happens in the middle, many of us wouldn't go. Mm. Because it's in the middle we feel the pain. Yeah. It's in the middle we feel the heartache and the stress. The beginning, we celebrate. The end, we celebrate. The middle is often the difficult times in which we endure. But if we... If we can just endure until the end, um, there is a brighter light at the end of the tunnel that we'll make it to what God wants us to be if we know to do different right now. Yeah. And with that, do you have any other closing remarks? No, I'm good. I'm good. I think I said enough. Uh, do different. Uh, take, take advantage of right now and don't allow tomorrow to become an enemy of today. Yeah. Well, we thank you for joining us for MTZ Overflow. Uh, we look forward to having you back here uh, for our next conversation. Um, 
for the next sermon. So stay fabulous, marvelous, and blessed. Peace. Dang, see you.